Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And we're back again. <laughs> I never know what to say after that. I know you always say we're back again. That's always we, what you land on. Let's do it on. again. Okay, let's start over. Okay. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's <laughs> mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips, a podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. (laughs) This is going great. (laughs) We're really professional. We have been podcasting for over a year, just in case anyone was wondering. (laughs) This is our second take of our intro, literally the easiest part of our show. (laughs) I have to get this out. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. For what? You want to do it again? No. (laughs) I absolutely don't. Okay, sorry, Sipster. I lost my crap for a minute there. <laughs> oh, this quarantine thing is starting to get me down, Anna Marie. Yeah, you sound down. That's what you sound like. <laughs> well, there's different ways to be That's down. That's true. I think we're losing our marbles. Yeah, <clears throat> this dress is starting to make me a little punchy. <laughs> That's a good I word need, for it. I need to be punched or something. <laughs> Is that what that means? <sighs> I think that's what that means. Sorry, Sipster. Sorry. <laughs> I was very unprofessional. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> yes. My old radio person would frown greatly upon me. All 20 people listening to this are very disappointed. <laughs> okay. Well, I would ask how you are, but I think we all know. <laughs> We've established yes, that. We've established that. How, how are you? Are. I'm, uh, I'm quarantined. It's bad. It's <laughs> things are bad. Things it's are hard. bad. Things are bad. There's a it's, pandemic. It's, it's a bad thing. There's a collective trauma. It's fine. I've been having these really bad headaches, and I've decided that it's because of my hair. It's my hair is so heavy, it's heavy, yeah, that it's like pulling on the neurons <laughs> in my head, uh, causing migraines. I think that that's a scientific thing. Views expressed by Bonnie are not representative <laughs> of Freudian sips. <laughs> and not supported by any research. <laughs> yes. Except my personal experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, collective trauma, <laughs> we talked about it. Not that this experience was a collective trauma, but if you haven't listened, go listen to our collab episode. I Mom was not able to be there, but I think it turned out pretty good. Uh, the Mental Health Avengers assembled again mm-hmm. to talk about like access to healthcare, especially in this kind of landscape of pandemic and how that's changed insurance stuff so it was pretty good pretty good discussion so how do you get to that how do you get it's to on our feet if you go to spotify okay. or apple music apple podcasts or wherever you are listening to this now if you're listening to this now you can listen to that also. exactly if you're listening to this now skip one back and that's that's what that is that's very cool it's fun it's interesting to talk to other people, isn't it, that are going through the same stuff? It is, and it's interesting to talk to fellow clinicians, especially, because one of the things we talked about, uh, I mean, on the call, was just telehealth 
and how much we all hate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I we all... Clinicians don't like telehealth. <laughs> I don't think clients are too keen on it either, but mm-hmm. neither are we, so don't worry. You guys aren't alone. <laughs> You're not alone not liking it. Right. But I have to say that for some of us, it's better than nothing. Oh, so yeah. So if you feel that you need to talk to your counselor or a counselor, don't think to yourself, well, I don't want to do the telehealth thing. Cause... Right. It's the option that's there. If that's right. the option that you have, take it. Right. I mean, if you have other options, great, fine. But right now, for a lot of people, that is one of the only options available. And right now, a lot of people need some counseling. Because yeah. this is a very hard time. Yeah. So if you're feeling that need in your own life... We would encourage you to have the courage to step into that. Yeah. Be nice to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. What episode are we on? 58. 9. 59. 59. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I can't believe we've done 58 episodes and we haven't talked about what we're going to talk about today. I think we've been avoiding it. <laughs> <laughs> we've been putting it off. I think this heavy stuff we've been putting off. Yeah. We kind of like to do the fun stuff. So can we, is, hey, wait, before we start, can we plug merch? It's been a while do. since we plugged merch. Plug some merch. Hey, if you go to FreudianSipsPod.com, there's a merch link on that very first page. And if you click that, you'll go to our shop. And there's some fun stuff there. Some very comfy shirts. Some cool designs. I think we have a pillow. Get a pillow. I think there's a tote. I think there's a tote. Mm-hmm. I think there's a cup. All there's some cool stuff. stuff. Very Mom, cool. Mom, did you just get new merch? I did. I got a new hoodie because the first hoodie I got was is extremely comfortable, but it was very big. <laughs> I was. wanted it to be big, but yeah. it was too big. <laughs> I mean, I, I wear it around here and stuff, but I wouldn't want to wear it where people could see me because right. I look kind of funny. <laughs> but yes, and it's and those those hoodies are so soft. They're very soft, especially they're, on the inside. So oh, they're soft. real fuzzy and warm and comfortable. And and I also got one of your shirts about your brain exploding in space. <laughs> <laughs> paraphrased <laughs> that's paraphrased what yeah. does it actually say shoot for the moon yeah mm-hmm. you'll explode in the vacuum of space and it's a beautiful blue color yeah i really like it so yeah go check that out see if you like the designs support us yes or and go if- to our patreon because we just posted our uh next chapter of our patreon thing so that's up now too of our okay. murder yet to come review lots mm-hmm. of things happening there's just things all over <laughs> the things. world is full of things and be and during this time while you maybe have a little bit of downtime you can go and look at the merch and catch up on your sips and yeah be sip part away. of the sip gang because we are cool we're a gang now <laughs> join our cult <laughs> cult gang cult gang. however you want to refer to us <laughs> it's a cult gang it's a cult gang that's oh. us all right. Okay. I plugged merch. I did it. Good. Good job, me. What are we tackling today? Today we are going to tackle OCD, obsessive uh, compulsive disorder. It's a big one. It's a big one. Dun, dun, dun. It's a big one. And again, this is one of those things that I do have to clarify. If we joke, if we jest, if we jape, if we do have a goof or a gag, it's in good faith because we don't we re- mean to do right. any harm. Right. And also, I think you and I both struggle a little bit with some OCD tendencies. I would say we have tendencies. Tendencies. Yes. Not quite diagnosable, I think, right. but tendencies. I think if nothing else, that's that's what, through this research that, that I did just specifically for our episode today, above and beyond what I had read about it before, I think I clarified for myself that I would not be diagnosable. Right, right. But I definitely have tendencies. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I had to say everything three times. And now I have to knock, and then I have to turn around. Okay. Just I like have a, a few. Dog. 
I just have a few. I did. But, I do have a thing with either two or three. Really? I have to. I I, ha, I feel like I have to say things either two or three times. Huh? Like if I say hello, I have to say hello, hello. I I did that in our first episodes. Remember hello, hello. when I used yeah, to do you that? Used to do it all the time. Yeah. That's interesting. I but then you called me on it and I got all self conscious and I, I stopped <laughs> that's a, doing it. That's a mother's job. That's a mother's <laughs> too. They give you complexes. I think though that it's worth saying that OCD is one of those things that we've talked about how in our world now, especially with social media and everything, that we tend to throw out psychological terms and diagnoses as if what am I trying to say here, Anna? Like we claim, oh, I'm OCD. You're OCD. Well, yeah, I have we a have whole to be careful. Section about that. Good. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. It's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, because we do. That's this is definitely one of those diagnoses that we use. It's been overused so much to yeah. the point of like diluting it. Right. Which like it's lost some of its meaning. I feel like that's really unjust for those people who actually struggle with it. And as especially a, yeah, this one like there have been a few things that we've talked about. I feel like the uh, eating disorder episode was the same way, where mm-hmm. like especially when things get used out of context like that and kind of overused, and so it's kind of crying wolf. It really makes it hard for the people who legitimately do have it to get taken seriously. And this especially is. A really distressing disorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really causes people's lives to be disrupted. Exactly. So it's it's not it's not cool to just joke about it. Don't. Right. Right. Although we will probably joke we'll about joke it about in about this it. episode, but but we'll do it respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> with love in our hearts. Yeah, with love in our hearts. So why don't you start us out and tell us a little bit? So. For a brief overview of OCD, uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder is very aptly named. It's a chronic condition where a person has recurring uncontrollable thoughts, obsessions, or Mm. repetitive behaviors, compulsions, or both. I think when we think about it, we usually think of both because they're tied very closely to each other. Mm -hmm. Some stats about OCD is that it affects 2.3 to 2.5% of people at some point in their lives. That's what we call lifetime prevalence, but in a given year, about 1% of the population will struggle with OCD. About 1%. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty high number. I mean, that's... One in every hundred people, because mm-hmm. I'm really good at statistics. <laughs> Quick maths. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Yeah, bam. You're so smart. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I put my calculator away. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty prevalent. I-, I think a lot of people are able to manage it, or it's mild enough that they don't have to seek intensive treatment. But there's also a lot of people that struggle with it to the point of it really, really interfering with their lives. So right, right. usually symptoms don't develop after the age of 35. That's, I mean, obviously I think it's possible, but that's generally not how we see it. Mm-hmm. And actually they usually develop before age 20. Right. OCD is a young man's game, baby. <laughs> uh, the genders are affected basically equally. Well, male and female when they say it's yeah right uh lgbt is kind of a different story but i i did read a lot about people who are gay because some of the obsessions that people have are sexually oriented so their thoughts or obsessions will be about their sexual orientation Mm -hmm. like i read an article about a gay man whose obsessions basically tried to convince him that he was straight uh like that was his obsession like am i actually straight but he identifies as gay huh 
Yeah. So I think as with almost everything we talk about, there needs to be more research with uh, this and LGBTQ population. Right. But, right. Yeah. It's relatively new. So when we talk about OCD, it is an anxiety disorder. In episode 13, we talked about anxiety disorders kind of on a broad scale. And OCD mm-hmm. used to be classified as an anxiety disorder. In the DSM-5, the current version of the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. Oh, I like how you said that. That's because I shouldn't <laughs> say it right. Should I say it right? The current version, it's got its own section. It's actually in a section with a bunch of disorders that are closely tied to it, like hoarding disorder, hair pulling disorder, and uh, skin picking disorder. So a lot of those kind of fall in the category of OCD, like obsessive and compulsive disorders. Mm-hmm. But it's still an anxiety disorder. But it's disorder. anxiety, yeah, exactly. I and mean, that's the root of it, yeah. Exactly. It's just a very specific kind of an anxiety disorder because mm-hmm. a huge part of OCD is the anxiety that the obsessions cause and the things people have to do, the compulsions that they have to do to manage those anxieties. And there's there's a lot of kind of broad categories of OCD. There's a lot of like subtypes. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few of them are uh, contamination OCD. So that's like the fear of germs, the fear of bloodborne illnesses, uh, environmental contaminants. There's scrupulosity OCD, which is, I think, one of the most fascinating ones. It's a form of OCD where people find themselves doing repetitive rituals around prayer or morals or beliefs or religion. Uh-oh. Um Yes. <laughs> they, Anna, are you looking at me? I am looking, looking at my looking notes. At I'm very pointedly <laughs> looking at my notes. Uh, but they get stuck in these types of behaviors. I know I've lent you this book because I can't find it. I've got it. (laughs) Good. I know. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. I just haven't read it yet. I lent it to you like three (laughs) Three years years ago. ago. (laughs) I think we were still in grad school. It's called. I had too much reading to do then. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I can't be I actually literally looked for it the other day. Oh, really? Because I thought I need to read it now that I have time. So I'll look for it again. It's really good. It's called Devil in the Details, Mm -hmm. Scenes from an Obsessive Girl hood it's by jennifer Traig, and it's about her life growing up with scrupulosity ocd in a jewish household and how how that ocd manifested in jewish rituals which judaism is really centered around rituals Very so much. there's a lot to focus on when you have ocd so it's really interesting seeing it from her point of view and she's mm-hmm. really realistic about it and really funny and just it's it's really cool hearing it from her voice there's checking OCD, so people with this type may repetitively like check locks or appliances to see that they're off. Uh, they may engage in a lot of rituals like this to prevent something bad from happening. Mm-hmm. There's symptomatic OCD, which is really similar to being a hypochondriac, basically. It's hypochondriasis, uh, where people have intrusive thoughts that they are sick, that they have an illness of some type, and that they kind of get sucked into doing these rituals to stop themselves from having a disease or thinking that they do have the disease. Think about how hard this pandemic is. I was just going to bring that up. Oh, if you have like several of the different types of OCD. Right, right. And I, I think that. If you have OCD tendencies, you're more likely to fall into something like this. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can have more than one types, and exactly. and it's it's very right now it's got to be really rough, really for hard people. time. Yeah, perfectionism OCD uh, can involve like rereading or rewriting things a bunch, making sure you didn't make any errors. Uh, sexual intrusive thoughts very common in OCD. Unwanted intrusive thoughts about sexual behaviors um, that usually people find 
really distressing. Like, the things that they're thinking about doing are upsetting to them. Right. And also that kind of goes along with harming intrusive thoughts where they think they might harm somebody or act out, um, Mm -hmm. even if there's not a history of them to do so. And you'll hear a lot of that when I also talk about the obsessions part. But those are kind of types of OCD that center around themes. Mm -hmm. And like you said... Let's talk about what it's not, because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is important. Mm-hmm. OCD is not, I like to have things neat right, and tidy. Even when I was in high school, I developed this because I had a lot of friends who like liked their lockers to be clean, mm-hmm. and they would go, oh, I'm so OCD, and mm-hmm. it would just bug me. And obviously, that was before I was like a psych major or anything, mm-hmm. but I just, it, that's not what that is. That's just a preference. That's just, you like your books to be in a line (laughs) chill out but i think that goes back to like connotation denotation you know like we've ocd has kind of almost become a cultural yeah term or what what's what am i trying to say like it's just a term that we use culturally uh, with a different connotation than the actual denotation of what ocd is so i don't know what connotation we say that a lot connotation is like what people think of when they hear a word word. Mm -hmm. and denotation is like the definition definition uh-huh. We use that a lot. And that's a big, it's a big thing though in it psychology. Is. It's a huge part of our perception yeah. of our world. But in this specifically, I think it's, yeah. I, you know, Very a lot big. of people throw that, uh, you know, I'm OCD without really knowing mm-hmm. or without caring really because it's just a cultural thing. Yeah, I, I don't think it's malicious. No, I, I don't, I don't think, think so they're either. intentionally trying to like downplay people who actually have OCD. Right. But I think that makes it hard for people who do have OCD right. to say it and be taken seriously because people think that they just mean, oh, I like my desk to be neat. Right. When actually it means, no, I, I wash my hands until skin falls off. Mm-hmm. I think whatever um, mental health issues you struggle with, if you hear people, one of my clients the other day said. Flippantly saying. Yeah, yeah. She, she struggles with panic attacks, panic episodes. And she said that she's a high school student. And she says that sometimes her friends will say things like, oh, I'm having a panic attack. And she gets really angry. Yeah. Because she said, you know, they have That's no idea. That's what that is. Yeah. They yeah. have no idea how disabling it is to have one. And she gets upset. So I think whatever it is we struggle with, it's hard to hear people just I remember throw it around. I used to get really defensive of you when in high school and college people would say they had a migraine Mm. and I knew they didn't Mm -mm. like I mean they didn't have the aura they didn't they didn't have any of the migraine thing they just had a bad headache right and like I've had bad headaches too I've had headaches that suck pretty bad yeah but I've never had a migraine and I know some of those people didn't either and I know that you've struggled with migraines my whole life and Mm. I know how much it knocks you off your feet so Mm. I used to get really defensive of you. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. For sticking up for me, Anna. You're a good girl. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but basically, people with OCD go beyond like a preference for neatness. Uh, their behaviors take up at least an hour or more a day. They're beyond their control. The behaviors are distressing. That's a big one. That is a big one. If you're putting your stuff in cabinets like the way you like it you're doing that because that gives you comfort right like you like it to look that way Mm -hmm. you prefer it to be that way it actually gives you like oh i like that that Mm -hmm. makes me feel better about the way i'm organizing things you're not doing it to the point of distressing yourself right that's the difference between actual ocd that's a very good way to define it 
and and it interferes with their social and work lives and home mm-hmm. lives and everything. It just there's it like I said, it it disrupts everything. And that's the specific point when we do get a diagnosis in almost everything. Right. If it disrupts right your quote because there's people that right. definitely have something that could be diagnosable, but they manage it well, or it really right. doesn't, like, they live in such a way that it's not going to disrupt their lives too they've, much. They've learned how to deal with it in such yeah, a way. Yeah, like, that. you could be, like, you could have agoraphobia where you're afraid of being out in public, and mm-hmm. if you work from home and you can basically get your groceries delivered, you can, you're pretty much probably still agoraphobic, but it's not interrupting your life. Right. So... OCD is also not obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. Mm. Actually, the things I listed above are closer to OCPD. Obviously, there's some overlap. I'm not even really sure why OCPD is called that. The personality disorder doesn't have distinct obsessions and compulsions like OCD. It's more about wanting control over your environment by being orderly and inflexible to new experiences and just wanting things to be neat and tidy. Uh, so that's kind of closer to is when that people easier, say... Yeah, is that easier to fit into? Personality disorders usually aren't. That's what I'm confused about. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And unlike OCD, OCPD isn't quite as distressing. And people with OCPD truly believe that the stuff they're doing is for a good reason. Like, they're, it makes sense to them. Right, it's, like, it's not distressing. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's just... It's, yeah. So yeah, those are kind of the some misconceptions and some what OCD is and isn't. Okay. So why don't you tell us about like how you get diagnosed with this? Okay, let's asking talk- for a friend. Uh huh. Uh huh. Let's talk about risk factors. So when we talk about mental health, when we talk about a risk factor, it basically is just saying um, this is something that increases your likelihood of having this condition or or getting the disease if if it's that type of thing. So Anna talked about age and the risk factor for age is, as Anna said, that usually by 35 we're pretty much set on whether or not that's part of of who you are. And most people are diagnosed in their teens. In their teens, really? In their teens, by age 19. But this is interesting that boys tend to have an earlier onset than girls. They do equal out, balance out, but the boys have an earlier onset than girls. Do you think that's a societal thing, that girls are expected to be neater, so it's harder to recognize symptoms earlier? Oh, it might be. I, I think it would be easier for me to tell that a boy was being more obsessive about That's, things you know i hadn't thought of that but that makes sense yeah because we expect the girls to have a tidy locker or whatever right yeah well maybe that's it okay genetic factors are a pretty big deal sorry anna um <laughs> research suggests that genes definitely play a role in the development of ocd i don't like the way they worded this a person who has ocd has a 25 percent chance of having a blood relative who has it so if a person's already been diagnosed there's about a 25% chance that someone who's related to them has it as well, even if they haven't been diagnosed. But then the same report says, one study found that children have inherited OCD symptoms in 45 to 60% of cases. So of the cases they studied, 45 to 60% so that they just, believed inherited the right. symptoms. That just means it's... I mean, like, if you have it, you may have, like, an uncle or aunt who has right. it, but you're more likely to get it if you have a direct and family the, and the member. closer exactly yeah the closer the blood relative is yeah the more likely it is but that being said the genetic we talk about this often on freudian sips that the nature versus nurture thing because yeah. yes the genetics do 
play a part in it and an important part, according to many researchers. Um, But an even bigger thing is your environment and it's the nurture thing. So if you have a parent who is acting in that manner, you're much more likely to act in that manner. Sure. Um, The other part of that is trauma. And trauma is definitely a risk factor for OCD. Right. Trauma is um, a risk factor for a for lot. For everything, for any kind of anxiety. Yeah. So we go back to the anxiety thing. Right. Is um, there Are there any like twin studies or like adopted people studies? There are twin studies and the twin studies very strongly really? support the genetic factor. Very strongly. A couple of things that I thought were interesting. Well, let me, let me stay on the trauma for just a minute. Um, the OCD symptoms often occur during stress in your major life so maybe you'd be going along and you don't really notice it but then things get really stressful and all of a sudden yeah, you can kind of like, lay dormant until there's a big trigger exactly um like the loss of a loved one or a divorce relationship difficulties are, are huge even struggles in school might bring on some ocd tendencies that you didn't notice before i before i step completely away from the genetic thing just a very fine line between the genetic thing and the idea of ocd being the risk factors being able to be shown through neurologically studying someone. OCD often occurs in people who have other anxiety disorders. We talked about that, like depression or... There's a lot of um, overlap. A lot of comorbid... Morbidity. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Every Morbibbity episode, bobbidi, there's got to be one freaking word. You're it a fairy me. godmother. I am. I, I am. Imaging studies have shown differences in the frontal cortex and the subcortical structures of the brain. I love it when you talk brain stuff, baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In patients with OCD, um, there does appear to be a connection between the OCD symptoms and abnormalities in certain areas of the brain. So they're they're getting closer. However, and this kind of goes back to what you said before... The research for this is relatively new, and there's a lot yet to be done. So, especially like brain research, like about the physical structure of the brain, I Mm -hmm. think that's just a relatively new thing. Like, hey, maybe I I think people, the it's all in your head crowd kind of made it so looking at the physical structure of the brain in conjunction with mental disorders didn't happen until pretty recently. Exactly. Well, the brain is so amazing, complicated. Yeah freaking there's too there's, much of there's it there's no manual that goes with it so yeah we're just finding our way here I'm trying to write the manual <laughs> so like many mental illnesses there there does seem to be some roots in our neurology yeah is that the right word it is okay our brain stuff our brain stuff that's easier to say it's much easier and, um, to say. okay because i just need to have some more words to stumble over i'm going to read this little <laughs> thing that i think is really interesting okay there's something called so this is an acronym, PANDA, PANDAS. It looks like PANDAS. 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 It refers to Pediatric Autoimmune <laughs> Neuropsychiatric Disorders Associated with Streptococcal Infections. In other words, a kid who gets strep throat. Okay. Is that bizarre? They tried so hard to make that into PANDAS. <laughs> they wanted to make that into PANDAS so bad. That was a backronym. That's what that was. They started with pandas and they came and up they with words. And they figured it out. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's amazing. That is that, that kids who get strep throat sometimes will suddenly have these OCD tendencies. Oh, like suddenly? Like it just pops yeah, up? Yeah, like they hadn't had it before. Oh, I thought you meant that like just made them Well, it can risk. get worse too. It can get worse. Yeah. But, but, but it's they, not like, oh, their risk increases. It's right. like, oh, they suddenly develop OCD? 
It says one theory is that the antibodies in the body interact with the brain and cause things to happen there. That Whoa. But you had said something about how OCD is kind of very close to some of those other disorders. And so a tick disorder is one of the things yeah. that's often mentioned with OCD. It is. And that is one of the things, too, that shows up in kids. There's even a specifier in the DSM for if you diagnose someone with OCD, you can diagnose it with tick disorder or something like wow, it's a specifier amazing. in there so it's really closely related and the last last risk factor, last risk factor i think is really interesting and that's the idea of pregnancy and postpartum oh um ocd symptoms can worsen so these are people who have had some right before. ocd symptoms may worsen during and immediately after pregnancy um, hormones, and man. it's the hormones yeah the fluctuating hormones trigger the symptoms Postpartum OCD is characterized by disturbing thoughts and compulsions regarding the baby's well-being. And so, you know, you hear some really scary things that, that, that happen to people in postpartum. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this, this would definitely be one of them. But it's important. So those are like some of the risk factors. But it's important to remember, and Anna's kind of already said this, that a diagnosis of OCD requires the presence of obsession and or compulsions that are time consuming it's not just if you have some of those risk factors right it doesn't necessarily mean uh oh it's going to happen to you. and even if you do things that are maybe a little obsessive or compulsive that unless it's severely affecting your life you probably aren't going to be diagnosed with ocd right but over and over again i read that the genetic tie and that if you have especially if you like you have a parent who's ocd who has ocd uh, tendencies sorry (laughs) again anna i'm sorry it's okay (laughs) All right. All right. So how about if we talk specifically about the obsession? Should we do that? Yeah, let's talk about what makes an obsession and a compulsion. So obsessions are what they sound like, things the sufferer is obsessed with. Uh, So it's (laughs) a worry or a fear. And it takes the form of repeated, persistent, and unwanted thoughts. uh, Sometimes are urges or images, like more vaguely. These thoughts cause distress and anxiety, and they're going to pop up when you try to do other things. That's what makes them intrusive thoughts. I think we've probably talked about intrusive thoughts before. Um, intrusive thoughts are a big thing in anxiety, other anxiety disorders, and also depression has a lot of intrusive thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's there a lot. Intrusive thoughts are something everyone has. I like Absolutely. stress that to clients. There's this thing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call Lori my my mom-in-law out here because she she was like hey Anna she like we were visiting one time and she came in from being like going out and doing an errand she goes hey Anna is it weird if I like want to just like smash a car or something every once in a while I'm like (laughs) nope (laughs) like not at all there's a big fancy French word for it but the call of the void is, is basically so it's like if you're at the Grand Canyon you're looking over the Grand Canyon and you're like I should jump uh-huh. No, not suicidal. You right. don't. You don't have. You maybe not have any depression at all. But mm-hmm. like your brain just goes. Wouldn't it be funny if you jumped? Like that's an intrusive thought. Right. And at the time you're like, what the no, no. Right. Like it upsets you. That's what intrusive thoughts are. And OCD is that every day, all day. Right. Just all the time. You know what? One of mine is what. <laughs> like when I go into a store where they have a bunch of real breakable things. You just want to smash I them. Just, well, there's like, it's like two-sided. Part of me is like, what would happen if I just went, and like, yeah. and then the other part of me is this terrible fear that I'm going to like bump it all and right. break it. Right. <laughs> Intentionally. Yeah. Not <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> not unlike the breaking of wine bottles. Oh, do you want to tell that story? 
That'd be great if you could. If you could just, if you could just tie your own if noose. If I could just humiliate myself. Please, on, please do. Is this like a confession? Do I get <laughs> some not, kind of forgiveness? I was trying I to skate this? by it, and you were you were dead set on I bringing just it, up. it up. Yeah, this really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but no. just, you know, so that mom can We have a have podcast. Crap. We can talk whatever we want to. One time, <laughs> you must have been 21 because we were buying wine. I must. Or we were. Maybe. And you pay. And you, and you, I did pay. <laughs> they didn't take the money. They didn't take the okay. money. Okay. So <laughs> we're skipping ahead here. <laughs> we're giving spoiler alert. <sighs> One time we were in a grocery store in a liquor department. Right. I honestly don't know how it <laughs> We walked by it, and I think it got caught on your, like, bag or something. And oh, it, put it on me. I don't think I broke it. Did I do it? I think you did. Oh. Or maybe it just fell because we walked by. I mean, maybe. It, I, I don't think – neither of us did it on purpose. Let's put right. it that way. Right. And it this wine bottle just fell off, like, a corner display and, and shattered. Yeah. And I was standing there like, oh, no, <laughs> what do we do? And Mom looked around <laughs> – Handed me a was 10. I drunk? What? <laughs> uh, you were dead sober. I think mean, you were sober as a judge and you didn't want to go in front of the judge. So you handed me a $10 bill and you said, okay, I'll see you in a minute. And you walked away. And God, I am such a bad mother. <laughs> but you were an adult, is my I was point. An adult. It is an important part of the story because, like, if you were 10 and I did that, that's pretty crappy. But you are oh a full-on responsible adult, and I knew that you handled stress better than I did. I don't think that's true. I was very anxious. <laughs> and I, like, went up to a worker. I was like, a bottle fell, and I, like, handed the bill, and they're like, it's okay. You but weirdo. we're reporting your mother. Yeah. To that. <laughs> I've already called CPS, but keep her dead. You'll need it when you're on the streets. So these are the kind of things that bring obsessive <laughs> yeah what the hell were about? we talking about probably something important uh yeah okay, obsession obsessive, obsessive yeah. thoughts and intrusive thoughts right so yeah. intrusive thoughts are repetitive which is kind of enough to make anyone crazy mm-hmm. uh and they're involuntary which means they're not caused by anything the ocd person is doing or thinking intentionally often people with ocd will try to get rid of these intrusive thoughts by performing behaviors or rituals compulsions but even if these behaviors alleviate the stress of the obsessions they'll just come back right. it's this exhausting cycle where y- you have the obsession you have the thought you do something to alleviate it there's a period of relief and then it comes back mm-hmm. Obsessions often have themes, uh, and I mentioned uh, some of them earlier in kind of the types of OCD that there are, but like fear of contamination or dirt, doubting or having difficulty tolerating uncertainty, needing things orderly or symmetrical, fear of committing a sin, which kind of goes with the scrupulosity one, Mm -hmm. uh, fear of a loved one dying, fear of certain numbers, colors, words, stuff like that, and then aggressive or horrific thoughts about losing control and harming yourself or others or otherwise doing something bad. Uh, And these can kind of go into that like worrying that you're going to be a sexual predator Mm -hmm. um actually i i have a client right now who's who's a kid fourth or fifth grade or something and he's he's a good kid he doesn't have any behavioral stuff going on but he's got what i believe is ocd uh, with intrusive thoughts he doesn't have rituals but he is he thinks that he is going to do or already has done something terrible Mm. And I was researching intrusive thoughts and this bad thought OCD 
kept popping up, like that term. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's basically OCD, where it's just about intrusive thoughts, and maybe there's not like behaviors that go with it. So that's one of those times that maybe there's not the compulsions, but you don't necessarily need both to have a diagnosis. Right. But from these themes come the repetitive thoughts so they can be as vague or as specific or like the clarity and vividness kind of goes back and forth but things like a general sense of disarray or tension if something is like imbalanced and that Mm -hmm. life cannot go forward if there's an imbalance a preoccupation with the thought of someone close to them dying or being hurt you you mentioned the relationship thing the intrusions about relationship rightness are Mm -hmm. a specific ocd thought Mm -hmm. um the possibility that someone or something besides yourself so like god the devil a disease i mean again like vague or specific Mm -hmm. will like harm either you or someone that you care about or things that you care about Remember when I used to be so worried about a tornado? Oh, yeah. That was kind of obsessive. You used to kind of keep your toys close to you so that... That would have been a ritual. Mm-hmm. So the sensation of invisible protrusions emanating from your body? Ugh. That sounds horrible. <clears throat> it is horrible. And as I read that... Okay, I'm going to be a little bit upfront here. I struggle with skin picking, which, again, like I mentioned earlier, is kind of in the OCD umbrella. That would probably be mine. I pick because I think that there's something sticking up Mm -hmm. and I have to make it smooth. So that would probably be one that I struggle with. And then the ritual would be the skin picking. The feeling that inanimate objects have souls is one, which... That's interesting. Don't some people just do that? Is that a thing that... I call objects like him or her a lot. But I, I think that's yeah, more of a jokey yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't think I mean, they actually think they have a It's not actually that I believe they have but a But I mean, maybe some people's spirituality tells them that's that, true. that That's really true. That's really true. That could, yeah. And then again, thoughts could be sexual in nature. That's a really common thing. And I think it's a thing that's easily distressing to people, um, especially if those go against your natural, like what you identify as your orientation or what you identify as your preferences. It's. I think that can be confusing too. If we're talking about that teenagers are the ones that we might be looking to to start to see yeah, that no in. Because in teenage years, there's so much. You're still trying to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, all that hormone stuff is flying yeah. around and you're trying to figure out your identity and it's crazy. Right. And so, I mean, obviously these obsessions don't usually go along with reality. But the person that's thinking them and suffering from them is compelled by the nature of them to indulge and get some measure of relief by indulging these thoughts and performing the rituals associated with them. Right. From ocduk.org, I found this little illustration. It says, to try and illustrate this point a little more graphically, when teaching mental health professionals about OCD, teaching professors will often conduct a little experiment with their audience, starting out by asking the audience to agree with the statement that saying something or thinking something doesn't mean it will come true, that our thoughts are not magical and can't make things happen. For example, thinking about winning the lottery and how your life will change doesn't mean you will win the lottery. The teaching expert will then go on to ask the audience audience, which we have seen include trained clinical psychologists and psychiatrists, to write down the name of a loved one on a bit of paper and then further add a statement about something horrific happening to that person. Oh, that's awful. 
despite all those highly qualified doctors moments previously agreeing that thinking or saying something doesn't mean it will magically come true, they're nearly always all unable to write down the specific statement about something horrific happening to their loved one, or those that do then destroy that bit of paper into lots and lots of tiny little shreds. I don't think I could do it. I don't think so either. I mean, and again, that's that kind of like magical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked about this with people who have depression, that it's really easy to imagine things are more important when they're in your brain. Like something about when we think something in our own brains, we're like, it can't possibly be a lie because it's my own brain thinking mm-hmm. it. But OCD lies and depression lies and mental illness lies. Mm, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's basically what obsessions are. They sound horrifying. They do. They are horrifying. And that's why compulsions come about. Because as Anna said, the compulsions are there. They're also known as rituals or um, behaviors that we try to comfort those obsessions or try to feel better or fix them or make them go away or however you want to look at that. Right. But as Anna already said, the obsessions might subside briefly, but then they they come back and they trigger the anxiety again. So... So Anna already kind of listed the different kinds of compulsions when she, you were talking about the OCD types and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use less clinical terms for these um, and just kind of give you some ideas of what some of the common types of compulsions are. What they might look are. like. Yeah. Like, I think that's important to talk mm-hmm. about because I think that people looking at someone with OCD may not realize they're watching a ritual. Right. Because uh, a lot of people with OCD, I think, have made it, their ritual is very subtle. Right. Because it's a way to engage in that and try to alleviate anxiety even when they're in public. Exactly. So it's kind of divided into different groups. Um, The first one is in this article called washers. So those are those people who are afraid of contamination. Yeah. And they're they're going to be washing their hands compulsively, which as I read these this time, I was like, boy, again, back to the pandemic thing. Yeah, no kidding. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, Anna, but my hands are just so dried out from washing my hands so much and using yeah. that antibacterial stuff. I mean, stuff. obviously, we're only washing a fraction of what a washer right, would exactly. do. Right, um, exactly. It doesn't necessarily just have to be hand washing, though. I mean, it can be, you know, cleaning your house or, or, yeah, or yeah. like washing down your steering wheel every time you get get into your car or right. whatever and because that's where that like a theme is going to be general and there's going to be a lot of themes that are common a lot um, among a lot of people with OCD but that will manifest differently in different thoughts depending right. on the person right we've made <laughs> we've made jokes on our podcast about my teeth brushing <laughs> problem <laughs> yeah it is a problem that's the right word for it how many times do you whether brush your teeth or not a day? it's neurotic how uh, many times a lot I actually, you know what? <laughs> I don't as often as yeah, I used to. Yeah, because I gave you so much crap gave about you it. So much crap, and, and it was seven before. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it was seven before. I'm down to about four or five now. So, oh my god, down I've come to a long four way. <laughs> and now I feel a little guilty when I do brush my teeth because I. But that is, you know, we talked. We've Anna did a lot of sharing there about herself. Some self disclosure. I would say one of my OCD tendencies, and I don't think I, I would be diagnosed as OCD, but one of my tendencies is about my teeth because my, and, and that's Is nature, it a cleanliness thing? It's, when I was a kid, my dad had kind of bad teeth. Oh. And he used to say, if you don't brush your teeth a lot, your teeth will end up like this. And right. I was did not want my teeth to end up like that. And so that's kind of in my brain. It's programmed. If I sure. don't brush my teeth a lot, my teeth are going to rot out. Yeah. And I do not want my teeth to rot out. So even though I'm objectively, I can say, well, my teeth are not going to rot out if I don't brush my teeth four to seven times a day. Right. But it gives me comfort when I brush my teeth. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, and also, 
when my late husband had kidney problems and had really struggled with his breath. And then I became even more sensitive to that idea that I didn't want to have breath like that. So I've had some life experiences that have caused that to be one of my compulsions. But I would say, I mean, that is a good example of the cycle that we just talked about where you have this like, oh God, my teeth feel bad or my breath is bad. I have to brush it. And then that is relief. But then very shortly it goes back to, oh, my teeth feel bad. I better brush again. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then we have the people that we would call the checkers. And those are the people that are repeatedly checking things to be sure like, did I turn off the stove? Is it really off? And you go back and you check it again and you check it again. Or is the door locked? And they're associating it with some kind of danger or something bad happening. Mine's my garage door. Yeah, you've you've I have texted a thing me about my garage. I've said, I've requested mom drive by my house yeah, on the way to, to work see to garage, see if the garage door is closed. That's interesting. Hmm. Okay. I I have circled back. I've been late to work before because I've had to circle back to see if I close my garage door. And so it's, this is a rough episode because we're just, man, this is, we're just this showing is, some. Uh, <laughs> this woo, is why we uh, put this one off for so I long. Know, I know. Didn't want to face the truth. <laughs> Oh no! This is going to be called our own self-awareness episode. <laughs> self-awareness hour. <laughs> uh, but that brings up a good point, though, because it's not just that you forgot; no. it's an obsessive thought. Yeah, yeah. It's and it it's oh a spiral, gosh, I, especially yeah. with the, I can tell that with the I, I don't have that so much with the picking, but I do have it with the door where I'll be like, I didn't close the door. And if I didn't close the door, someone's going to come in and rob us. And if someone comes in and rob us, maybe the cat will get out. And if the cat gets out, oh, my gosh, I right. have to go find the cat. And if we get robbed, oh, my gosh, is our insurance covered? Like, it's a whole thing. Right. That's a perfect example yeah. of the obsessive thought, the intrusive thoughts. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Okay, so there's another category that we're going to call the doubters and the sinners. Um, they're afraid that everything isn't perfect or done just right. And this kind of would be along the, the lines too. Yes. Yeah. I love that word. I love that word. Isn't it great? I love that word, but I can't say it. <laughs> It's like scruples. Have scrupulosity. Scrupulosity. <laughs> I think I might have a little bit of scrupulosity. I think you do. Okay. <laughs> I'll claim that one. Okay. <laughs> Name it, claim that it. That one's mine, baby. That Name one's it, claim mine. It, tame it, baby. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way we're brought up. And, yeah. And yeah. Um, I was brought up Catholic Christian, and and we have a lot of rules. There's a lot of rituals There's a lot associated of stuff in there. With, and I, th- I think that kind of goes with like Judaism as well. Like mm-hmm. religions in general usually have a lot of rituals associated with That's it. That's why Anna gave me the book and told me to read it three years ago and I still haven't done it. <laughs> why she's putting that off too okay so then there's the counters and the arrangers those you are the can't people handle that- the truth <laughs> counters and arrangers are the ones that are obsessed with order and symmetry if you spill rice on the ground they have to count something like that that's a vampire trick you didn't know that no vampires in vampire mythology have to count things they have basically that type of OCD. is that where the sesame street thing came from Probably. The yes. little counter guy? Ooh. Yeah. So, so like in, in old vampire mythology, like I if, did not know that. If a vampire comes to your door, you, you spill a bag of rice on the ground <gasps> and they have to count it. They're compelled to count it. And then that'll buy you time until the sun comes up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds like a bad joke. <laughs> count Dracula. <laughs> okay. Very inconvenienced <laughs> vampire. The things we learn on Freudian Sips. <laughs> We know that if a vampire comes to our door, we shouldn't invite them in. That's a that's a right. Too, that's right? a given. Okay, don't invite them in and spill some rice. You cannot you come in and it. also. Oops, my rice all <laughs> fell out of my hands. <laughs> Whatever shall I do? I'll go see if we have a guest bedroom available. <laughs> okay, 
also um, hoarding. Is, oh. And there's that fine line, you yeah. know, it's kind of a whole separate thing in the DSM-5. But for people with compulsions, they had the, the obsessive fear that something's bad's going to happen if they don't have that stuff. Right. And they so they don't want to throw anything away and they, they hoard things out of protection. Yeah. So that's a pretty big deal. That's why that like hoarder show, I can't watch it because it's just sad. Like it's, it's not. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Some other things that are just because we start when we first start talking about compulsions, Anna said what we would see in someone, generally mm-hmm. speaking, things like telling or, or asking all the time, wanting reassurance all the time. Oh, sure. A person who's constantly like, how did I do? Yeah. Was that was that pretty good? Did I do that well? So that's checking? Yes. But, but this kind of like stepping the, off to the side okay, a little yeah. bit, like a separate one. It would also maybe include um, people who repeat things. Like you said early in the episode about saying hello, hello. Right, yeah. right. Or sometimes, I can't remember, oh, that, that old television show, The Middle, and there was a little character on there, a little boy, who he would say something and then he would whisper it to his chest. Oh, okay. And so he would say it out loud and then he would say it to his chest. Um, and sometimes people who struggle with OCD tendencies will, as they're listening to you, they'll they'll repeat what you said. Interesting, yeah. Either out loud or to them, kind of quietly to themselves. You right. might notice that. I think the kind of common OCD thing we have in our brains from media is the, um, I mean, the washing hands thing obviously is kind of one of the big ones, but the doing things a certain number of times. Right. Like whenever I've seen like a movie or a a TV show, like I watched a Criminal Minds the other day that had someone with OCD and they had to do like close the door a certain amount of times. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Sheldon on Big Bang. Oh, the knocking thing. Yeah, but like that's associated with like the magic number thing right or like the fear of certain numbers Mm -hmm. so like odd numbers or even numbers or like they might have a specific number um, but it's associating like a magical quality to that number where if I don't do things that many times something bad will happen right that's basically what what obsessions all go back to is if I don't do the ritual something bad's gonna happen exactly it just has different flavors flavors okay (laughs) got it what next? Let's move on from the compulsions. Well, I mean, so it's hard because after obsessions and compulsions, that's kind of the whole bulk of that's OCD. Uh, there's some other things, like not so much other symptoms, but just other kind of little tidbits. I already kind of touched on this, but there's a thing called overvalued ideas. So most people see people struggling with OCD and they say, okay, obviously this person knows that these thoughts are irrational. Uh, that they just have to do them anyway because that's what OCD is. But they're totally able to say that they're irrational. That might not be the case. Often it's not really the case. People, especially with OCD, are probably going to look at their own thoughts and value them as more true than external thoughts. And that's like what I said about the the depression thing. And if it's coming from inside your brain, it's easier it's to believe be, yeah, it. Right. Right. So that's called overvalued ideas. And there is um, there there have been studies where the more overvalued the ideas and someone came up with an overvalued idea scale uh, where if that is a thing that the OCD person has, it's probably going to be hard to engage in therapy with them. It's the treatment might not be as effective. And then there's in the DSM-5, when we diagnose OCD, there's what's called levels of insight. And that means that it's 
how aware the client is that the beliefs of their OCD are irrational or untrue. Uh, so there's with good or fair insight. So that means the person knows the beliefs are definitely or probably not true. Um, they're able to say, I know this is from my OCD and I know that I don't necessarily have to do these things. Uh, then there's poor insight, which means they think the beliefs are probably true. Um, so that's they're overvaluing that. And right. then there's with absent insight or delusional beliefs. And that's where the person is completely convinced that the OCD beliefs are true. Mm. Um, and obviously that also ties into how effective the treatment's going to be, where it, exactly. the, the better your insight is, the more open you're going to be to not doing those rituals right. and stuff. OCD, like you said, has triggers just like anxiety because it is a type of anxiety. So like you said, like when things stress you out, your OCD might get worse or it might pop up if you've never known you really had it before. Mm -hmm. There's also the idea of body-focused repetitive behaviors. Have you read about this at all? I just want to kind of sideswipe this and, and we'll move on. Okay. But it's linked to actually a bunch of different disorders. Uh, it's OCD. There's a thing about it in ADHD. I was going to say, I thought that was ADHD, but... It can be both. because so, it, yeah, it makes sense that it would be both because it's the anxiety thing. Right, the, right. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's basically grooming that goes too far, mm -hmm. and that's where, like, hair pulling or skin picking comes in, mm -hmm. um, or nail biting is also one of these. So basically, like, the, and they show up with anxiety disorders a lot. So that is a thing that is kind of becoming more in the lexicon and becoming... People are becoming more aware of it, basically. Body-focused repetitive behaviors. So if that sounds like you, I want to look into it a little bit. That's kind of, there's not really other symptoms. There's not really other stuff. So yeah. if we have it, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? So the treatments for OCD are, and it makes sense that we, we use cognitive behavioral therapy. We use CBT because it's a cycle. It's And, yeah. and the strong thing about CBT is, is the ability to break, Breaking a cycle. break a cycle of thought. And so... Um, obsessions, anxiety, compulsions, that's our cycle that we that we go in. So if we use CBT, basically you work with your therapist on thought stopping, on right. being able to get to a point where when you feel one of those triggers or, or see one of those triggers and they start to come on, that you learn how to stop your thought process so that you don't, as you said, you don't spiral right. into that direction. More specifically, within cognitive behavioral therapy, there's something called uh, exposure and response prevention. ERP. We oh, yeah, yeah. E I saw that term thrown around. <laughs> Which basically is a lot like what we do with people with phobias. It's a specific form of CBT um, where you're exposed to the things that trigger your anxiety a little at a time. Exposure therapy. Yeah, it's exposure. Yeah, it's just, it's a fancier word for exposure therapy. That well, was the one that I saw specifically linked to uh, if the OCD person's struggling with overvalued ideas, that uh, ERP probably won't be very effective. Because, yeah, they're not going to accept that. Right. So do they, what does that look like? I, I think I get that better with phobias than I do with OCD. What does it look like with OCD? Well, it's like if you had, the one that I read about was something about the multiple, about, oh. about having to do something several times. So you just so make you, them not do yeah, it? Yeah, you just make them stand there and not do it. And then like a process. little at a time. And then you talk about how are you feeling? Because it's, because CBT, even though CBT is very specific in that you learn coping mechanisms and there are these things that you specifically do. You do talk therapy with CBT. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, so, CBT is all talk therapy, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So in the, so as, as you're working through it, I think it sounds hard to yeah. do because, and I think it would be hard to do with a phobia as well, exposure therapy. I think that would be very difficult. But Well, we talked about that with EMDR as well, where it's like 
people think of EMDR as just this kind of sideways hypnosis. Right. But actually, there's a lot of talk therapy that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally speaking, though, what research has shown is the best way to treat OCD is both with therapy and with medication. Right. Um, And that's, that's by far the most effective way. Which is very common. Which makes a lot of sense. You shouldn't, ideally speaking, as a counselor, <laughs> you should not do one without the other right, in certain right. situations, right? So um, the medication that would be used for OCD is usually an antidepressant. That's the first medication that they try with OCD. They may try and see, I'm terrible at these words, clomipirin. Clomipirin. That's a medication? Yes, I even listened to it like on Google. Okay, oh, you looked up like yeah. how to pronounce it. Clomipramine. I have to do that when there's uh Clomipramine. Oh, okay, Clomipramine. sure. Clomipramine. Now, I have to say it like the girl. Clomipramine. I have to. You have to do a little jump over the second I syllable. <laughs> but, you know, some some words that, that you would maybe recognize because of the brand name or whatever, Prozac um, or even Zoloft. Right, right. Um, anxiety medications really. anxiety and or antidepressant yeah however you look on that um depending on your age and your health and your symptoms they would deal with you know what what would be more helpful for you but again we go back to the fact that ocd is basically anxiety core so we're gonna deal with the anxiety anxiety core sounds like a, a music genre it's <laughs> like garbage core and anxiety core i think though that this is one of those times when, and we've talked about before that I personally, I'm not a big like everybody needs to be on medication. But the longer that I am a counselor, the more I'm aware that some of us definitely need to be on medication. For sure. And this is one of those times that if you have a diagnosis of OCD and it is really interrupting your life and it's it's really damaging the quality of your life, that I would encourage you to at least be assessed for medication right? and um, see the difference that it can make, that it can stop those intrusive thoughts to some degree so that you can handle those things better. Yeah. It's just another time when I think it's really important that you at least consider the idea of medication. Right. But again, that doesn't just mean because you like to put your Campbell's soups in alphabetical order that you should go on. <laughs> medication for your OCD (laughs) we're talking about when your life is impaired right because of your mental illness if you're spending four hours a day putting your Campbell's soups in alphabetical order there might be an issue maybe go see a therapist exactly so the answer to how we treat OCD is uh, generally speaking CBT is the most effective with SRIs medication that are SRIs do you want to say what an SRI is? Because I forgot. It's actually SSRI. It's SSRI. Sorry, I left serotonin it. reuptake inhibitors. I've got it right here, but oh. I didn't say it right. I wanted you to say the big words. Say it again. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. She is so smart. She's my girl. <laughs> she did not only inherit OCD from me, she also got a little bit of braids. That's a little what bit I of IQ. All those good it. acronyms. I got them. <laughs> She got some OCD, some IQ, some, we could think of some other things, but I think we've (laughs) self-disclosed enough in this episode. Yeah, that's enough. We've laid Uh, ourselves bare. We have. All the cards are on the table. Wow. (laughs) So just like what we always talk about, this is about self-awareness. Know thyself. Mm -hmm. Get therapy. How many times can we freaking say it? And don't throw around terms uh, too flippantly. Yeah. 
um, be aware that it is a serious thing. Because really, especially with those stats, <laughs> right? one in a hundred people. So like, think about the high school you went to. Think about if you were the one standing at your locker saying, oh, I'm so OCD. And someone walking by you could really be struggling with OCD with washing their hands so much their like skin bleeds. Right. And they'll or be less. Or the intrusive less... thoughts about their sexuality. That, right. That keeps them from even being able to listen in class. Yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah. thinking they didn't close their freaking garage door <laughs> the, or brushing their teeth seven brushing times their teeth seven times <laughs> we all got something Anna. so yeah those people will probably be less likely to seek out help if if there's too flippant of an attitude about it right that's true should i thank our listeners sure may i thank our listeners mother may i yeah 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 <laughs> We thank you for listening, and we thank you. I don't. I do feel like we shared a lot personally today. We did. did I don't think we you meant to feel, do that. You know, one of the things that we, we tripped and stumbled into self disclosure. Um, one of the things that you learn in big time counselor school is to balance your self disclosure to not self disclose too much with a client, and yet enough to feel like you build a rapport. But y'all blah, aren't blah, our blah, clients. Blah. You're just listening yeah. to us talking so, to microphones. So, so. We're, we're buds because we like sit we're around dudes. and have a drink and talk. Right. And so, yeah. So we might have got a little overwhelming today. We've had we an episode we where we totally talked about grieving a recently lost loved one. So yes, I think we have crossed the self-disclosure yeah, boundary yeah. before now. I think maybe what I would I would like to say, though, listeners, is first of all, thank you for bearing with us as we did bear our souls a bit today. <laughs> But also maybe to take courage in that knowing that we all got stuff. Yeah. And so um, if there's something that you have that's been weighing on you to talk to somebody about it, we would, of course, encourage counseling. But if you have close friends, a good support system is very important for right. all of us. So and during this time of quarantine, even though we do we are doing all this like Zooming and, and FaceTiming and Zooming. whatever yeah. else we do. That it is important to be authentic and to really share your heart with someone and really talk about the things that are weighing on you. Right. So. And hopefully the self-disclosure that we did can go both ways. <laughs> uh, where like it either will let you say, oh, well, they struggle with that kind of stuff. And I've had those kind of intrusive thoughts and I have maybe some of those rituals. But mm-hmm. OK, I probably don't have OCD. Right. Or if you're listening to it and going, OK, that is something that I've worried about. And mine does go beyond that to stuff they talk about maybe i do need to get help so right just let let it be kind of a benchmark where good a measure a measure yeah. for how you are on that yeah that's good so thank you listeners thank you sipsters for being with us today yes thank you so much for being here thank you for being our sipsters mm-hmm. we appreciate you mm-hmm you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Our site, FreudianSipsPod.com, is where you can find our episodes. Links to our merch page. Go check out our merch. It's real fun. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, if you have any questions, especially about stuff like, I feel like when we talk about things like OCD, there may be specific questions that you have, and I'd be happy to answer those questions. And um, I say I, because I'm the one that has access to all the uh, <laughs> questions that you guys sent. So. She has all the power. Later, I'm like, hey, mom, we got a message. You want to see it? So you can send emails to freudiansipspod at gmail.com if you have any questions about that um, or about anything else that we've talked about or anything else, just whatever. Or if you want to say hi, just be like, hi, bitch, I love you. Like, cool, send it. <laughs> yeah, send that to Anna. Send that to me. <laughs> 
Um, we are on Patreon if you want to support the show, if you want to go listen to some more chapters of Murder Yet to Come. Forty and Sips Pod on there as well. And please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening, especially Apple Podcasts and Podchaster. We will look at those and be happy when we see them. Yes. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.